Expected part two episode talking about the works of Metallica, ranking them all from worst to first. It's a fun little process, and guess what? In the last uh, episode, we ranked seven of their twelve albums. How about them apples? Boy, do I sound white. <laughs> and hey, listen, here's the thing: we uh, <laughs> 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 we. Uh, <laughs> We, uh, listen, we, the thing is that we did a lot of discussions, and also some of the albums uh, that we have left to rank, we talked extensively about in the last episode. So, by a master's command, I'm telling you right now, listen to the part one episode. It's very important that you hear some of the arguments, some of the context, before we get into this. Before Evan Soddy, co-creator Taryn O'Reilly, and special guest singer-songwriter, guitarist Phil O'Reilly, new out, out, EP out on Spotify right now, uh, before we talk about what is left. And what is left... Friends, we are not going to talk about the other seven albums. We're only going to talk about the top five remaining, which is, of course, the debut Kill Em All from 1983, Ride the Lightning from 1984, Master of Puppets from 1986, and Justice for All from 1988, and Metallica, the Black Album from 1991. We're in a good spot. I feel really good. We've had some wonderful debates. I think some mm-hmm. of... I, I've definitely kind of moved my pins around after hearing what some people had to say. Mm-hmm. But now we're in the zone. And it, just as a little spoiler, I'll tell you only this much about the part one episode... Earlier on in the episode, before we even hit number six, Taryn threw out a nomination for And Justice for All, a little bit lower on the list. And so at the end of the episode, we were kind of debating with that and other albums in terms of where it would go right now. So as much as we're like, hmm, maybe we should put it on here, before the episode cut off, Phil O'Reilly did portend the fact that he might have another nomination for the very coveted number five spot. And I know it's coveted because Metallica will be listening to this one year. At least Lars, <laughs> at least Lars will. I know Lars is definitely listening. Yeah. I have yeah. some things to say. Uh, but here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that I was not bad. <laughs> that, was, that, that was very good. That, 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 is, that was a solid Lars impression. Uh, I, mean, I really the thing, enjoyed that. When you, you listen to uh, watch some kind of monster, this one thing, but then I, when I watch the other documentaries about the making of Hardwired and Death Magnetic, he just has that tone when he's in studio about the note that he's trying to give. Up. And it's just like, it just became ingrained in my head. Evan, I think that's such really an good. That's really you, solid. You seriously nailed it. That's gonna, really, really like, solid. I'm going to do it on Snatch Game. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> we have uh, five albums left. Phil, let's just kind of jump right into the dirt before okay. anything else. I just want to hear, before we get into the debate, number five slot, what's your nomination, buddy? Well, first of all, um, I think when I first started out, I was like, I kind of figured that these five would be the top five in mm-hmm. some way. I don't know. I didn't know how it would break down, and it changed for me all the time. Okay. They, mm-hmm. they cycled through a lot, um, especially the top two, which I'll get to. Yeah. But um, I would say, since we're kind of, it kind of seems like we're going and Justice for All versus... My nomination would be Kill Em All. Fair. Oh. The reason I say yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. is because if we look at the five we have left, it's probably the most unrefined. Um, it kind of, yes, groundbreaking in the sense that it kind of is credited with sort of inventing this new subgenre of metal. Um, there's some great moments on it. I think that And Justice for All is better. I think that it's a little more, there's, um, and... 
I think that by the time we get to Injustice for All, James Hetfield's voice has kind of matured more into it. I mean, if you think about it, they're like in their early 20s, yeah. if that, on Kill Em All. Mm-hmm. And it still kind of sounds a little bit no, like... Yeah, it's just it, so much higher. It's pitched it, it, differently. It, it, yeah. It, 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 it sounds a lot more like, um, you know, a teenage garage band sort of thing. I don't want to totally simplify it that much, but right. that's kind of the well, only thing I can think of. But um, Phil, you're the, you're the, you have the knowledge base on here, and correct me if I'm wrong on here, after Kill Em All came out, is it true, though, that they actually seeked out another vocalist? They're trying to get the guy from Armored Saint to potentially become the vocalist. Yeah, well, they, they, they had actually kind of been doing that all along. Um, Hetfield was very, very nervous about doing vocals. He wanted to kind of be... Um, the guitar dude. Just, I'm going to be the rhythm guitar player, that's it. Yeah, they had um, John Bush was is the guy's name, and you can find a cool recording uh, in this uh, 30th anniversary concerts, which I mentioned in part one, uh, where they do uh, the Four Horsemen together, and it's oh, actually yeah. pretty cool because John has a higher voice than James, so they do some cool harmonies oh. in it. Oh. So it definitely worth seeking out that recording of it. But um, yeah, that's so that's just kind of my reasoning is because it's a little more unrefined. I definitely wouldn't put it any lower than five, obviously, but, um, you know, I mean, there's some great moments if we want to just get into the album a little bit. Um, Seek and Destroy is another one of those Metallica signatures. Um, This also, this record, it's kind of like um, have a guitar riff. Because every single song has at least, like, seven different oh riffs in it. When like, they start doing the solo uh, stretch near the end of Motor Breath, I'm just like, it is just bliss it's just pure and the thing is as much as they are not you know they are harder they're not a fucking 80s you know pop you know rock you know glam (laughs) band no they are not (laughs) but the thing is that honestly there's so much doodly do on here just like just that full (laughs) I mean it's just that full like wailing on the hammer on I guess kind of effect that has been copied by other lesser bands you know Mm -hmm. to a lot of it sounds so great when they do it though it's so much fun though and as much as angry and as propulsive as this album is it's still not like full bore uh, getting into the deep darknesses of the soul. It's just like a weirdly heavy but fun album to a degree. Totally. You know? Totally, totally, totally. Sure, I get, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah well, because they haven't, they haven't started writing about Cthulhu. Well, for example. <laughs> but also, like, they, we're not getting into, like, horrible war stories and blood and destruction. I mean, I guess there's a little bit of that, but it, it, it does feel a whole lot more like just hard rock. Like, just, like you said, mm-hmm. four dudes in a garage having the time of their lives. And, sure. and almost to the extent where, like, the lyrics kind of don't matter. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. It's more about the feeling and the impact. Like, yeah. Literally, today I was listening to Whiplash and I was like, I've heard this song eight times by now. I have no <laughs> idea what he says besides Whiplash. I have no idea. I mean, the song, is, the song is, as you said, about having fun and stuff. Like, the song is just about going, like, we're Metallica. They literally say, uh, we'll never stop, we're never quit, because we're Metallica. Yeah. Like, they, they, it's about them being out on the road and touring in their first tour and people going to their shows and headbanging and moshing and stuff like that. So, also, I guess the one vocal moment that I really like a lot on this record is since I kind of said I didn't like it earlier, but um, is the end of Phantom Lord is like proto, like before metal started screaming the way that it does now, 
this is like I remember listening to it the first time and trying to imitate that and not being able to talk for an hour. Yeah, because it's just like, <laughs> like it's just yeah, yeah, well, it's it so good. On, on hit the lights too. Yeah, yeah. hit the yeah, which I cannot do. Yeah, yeah, um, hit the lights. Yeah, I, I love that shit. Yeah, and that's, yeah, yeah. that's why I definitely I I would rank this album high just because it's just pure fun. Yeah, well, and also, fantastic. and for the record, as much as the one, I think a, a fair criticism to throw, throw against Kill 'Em All is the fact that for the most part, it's pretty much in the same tempo, in the same texture, yes, in the same, same, key, key, same key, even with yeah. with the exception, of course, of uh, Cliff Burton's delightful bass endeavor of Anastasia pull, uh, pulling teeth. I fucking love that. I love that kind of psyche little texture thing. I, it's it's just so fascinating to me. And it's also such a perfectly placed break in the album. It had never been done before, at least yeah. in that way. Yeah. Um, a guy doing, like, wah pedal, heavy distorted type of thing. In fact... That's when, what they saw when he was performing. When, yeah, when, when, when Hetfield and, uh, and uh, Lars right. saw him for the first time, they thought he was a guitar player. They're like, man, that guitar is heavy. <laughs> because he's playing, he was playing so insanely. Right. And so... Yeah, I mean it's it's certainly great too. I guess I don't know if I'm if I'm outvoted with putting uh, it over and Justice for All, I'm not opposed to that. I wouldn't put it any higher than the fourth slot though. I I may have been a little misleading. I wouldn't either. It's it's between these two for me. I would just personally put Kill 'Em All. One last moment on this Kill 'Em All record that I love is Metal Militia. The part where it suddenly cuts out except for his bass. Yeah. And then the guitars kick back in with the really fast tremolo picking part. Mm-hmm. I love that part. I'm like, that is one where I'm like, let's destroy my entire apartment because it is so, like, thrashy and joyful yeah. and <laughs> amazing. You know, and the thing is that, like, because it's such, it's a very fun album and I think its artistic aims aren't as deep or as expansive as Injustice for Alls, and I think as we discussed before there is, we can respect a lot of it, even, I can respect that album even if I don't enjoy it a lot, but also we have the buoy of one being a fucking legendary song regardless of genre on there I, I don't know, I, I'm kind of in an either way kind of position here like, for me, if if for some reason we decide to kill them all number five, then I would say at that point, and Justice for All has to go at number four. I would agree at with that. that. Point, I, can't, I would agree with that. We, we, we Terra nominated a while ago. I, I can't see it going any there, especially going up against the other ones that we have remaining. I'm, I'm okay with that, yeah. too. Um, where, where do you stand? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, we can go ahead and let's go ahead and put uh, Kill Em All then right there at uh, number five and, and Justice For All right there at number four. And that leaves, uh, I think to a degree, maybe some people were expecting this a little bit there, but that leaves kind of the big three to a degree. It is Ride the Lightning. It is the Master of Puppets. It is Metallica. Now, at this point, it's the question of do we just want to talk about them or does someone want to be controversial and throw out a number three rank on here just to kind of see? <laughs> I I feel that completely. That's, these all three of these were pretty quickly my top three and very much shuffled around. Yeah. So yes. I, yep. 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 Yeah. Yep. I think if you ask any Metallica fan off the street, name your top three. It's gonna be these three most likely. Yeah, I think um, so. Yeah. Well, I'd say as much as it's fun to talk about these three individually before we jump into ranking, I feel like being controversial today. Maybe it's it. my rebel spirit kind sure. of tossed in here. Go for it. If I were to toss out what we have left at number three ranking, I'm gonna throw out maybe controversially, 
the Black Album. I knew you were going to say it. You knew? I knew you were going to say it. Did you even agree or did you just know? I don't agree at all. <laughs> I knew you were going to say it. I knew you were going to say it. was the exact same. I was like, I can tell by the way he's building this up, he's going to say the Black Album, and he's so wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but that's fine. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, let's, let's talk, talk about, about the Black Album. Let's well, talk about Black Album. I think album. we can't talk about the Black Album without talking about essentially the three that came before it. Because while Kill 'Em All was very much kind of a furious, in your face kind of record, their artistic aims grew immensely from Kill 'Em All to Ride the Lightning. Massively. When they discovered texture, when they discovered let's bring in some acoustic guitars, when they, ballad, they, put, a they put a ballad in there. Well, exactly. a ballad for Metallica. Ballad is a strong word. Yeah, yes, that, that is very is a true. Word. A slower song. A half ballad. Yeah. Right. Uh, a song that uh, appears to be a ballad at first. <laughs> Which is true. So, again, um, if for, for those that don't know, Ride the Lightning, Master Puppets, and, and Justice for All were all produced by Fleming Rasmussen. Um, they all kind of follow a similar pattern, where the, first, the opening track is a fast track that has some sort of acoustic-type opener. The title track is the second track. The third track is a slower, groovier song. The fourth track is a ballad. Uh, the fifth track is back to kind of uh, thrashy fast, and it has an instrumental on it, and typically, with the exception of Ride the Lightning, ends with a faster song. Ride the Lightning is probably my favorite overall Metallica song, uh, album. It has been for a very long time. I've played, my band has played Fade to Black live. Um, I actually have an original cassette that I got from a friend that from 1984 of that mm. record, which is awesome. But, yeah, I mean... These are all... It, it also is an album, I think, that when Metallica is building a set list, they typically pull from that a lot. Mm-hmm. Fade to Black, For Whom the Bell Tolls, and Creeping Death are, like, live staples. And right. mm-hmm. Creeping Death is is in a, another one in Metallica's top five of signature songs, in my opinion. But I would say that with the exploration that they have of longer song structures, of kind of like mixing around with textures. Sure. And again, with And Justice for All, it is still them sorting through their grief a little bit to a degree. And I feel like one, the song broke them out of a lot of different degrees and also broke mm. them into the mainstream mm. because radio didn't support their other albums even though they were going mega platinum and even though they were creating quite the scene and touring the fuck out of these things and gaining an actual audience. But the thing is, one was kind of after the excess to a degree. And I would say... Even though I don't find all of the aims successful, the access was justified, because guess what? They lost one of their fucking band members in a tragic fashion, so they are allowed to explore as much as they want. Yeah. Black Album Metallica, they went ahead and decided to get a little bit more serious, and they decided to cut things down. This is tighter songs. Well, they explicitly wanted to... They When asked about this album, because it is... It, it sounds a lot more commercial than anything they've oh, done before. Oh, for sure, for sure. And they said that that was not explicitly their aim to be commercial, but their aim was to simplify. Mm-hmm. Was yes. to, every song doesn't have to be eight and a half minutes. If, if you explore mm-hmm. it and it's four and a half and it finishes what it needs to do, then let's call that good. Yeah. And that is part of why this album became the smash that it was, was just them specifically looking for that, again, accessible wasn't what they were trying to do, but it ended up being a synonym mm-hmm. with what right. the aim was. It is the, it is the, mo- it is the highest selling album since 1991 of any genre of any band. And also, it's one of those things where this is, and part of the reason is because Enter Sandman, the first song, it became their signature song. As much as yeah. they have legendary tracks, ask any old buddy Metallica what it is, they're going to say Enter Sandman. Who well, doesn't yeah. know? Also, I, I mean, right, like I said, that was the one song that I had heard and, and was familiar enough 
with that, like, I hadn't sought it out, but if you asked me to sing that riff, I could do it for you. Oh, yeah. It was omnipresent, iconic. It came out before I was born, and it was still so everywhere. Yeah. That I... I'll take a look. That I know it, <laughs> that I know it almost backwards and forwards before mm-hmm. even going yeah. into this week. Take my well, hand. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and the other, tra- I was listening to this album on the way here because I was trying to decide where I would put it, and because um, I had such a tough time on deciding, it was definitely in the top three, but I didn't know where. But sad but true is like the heaviest freaking riff. Oh. I mean, like just. And and then like to build up to the it's one of my favorite Kirk solos because it all the music cuts out and then it's Lars hitting the the snare riff and then it's back into his solo. Mm-hmm. It's so brilliant. <laughs> the Unforgiven is one of my all time oh, favorites. It's so fucking good. It's yeah. it, 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 a, a great story about that that I've I've watched the kind of like making of the this record and um, they made Kirk do the Unforgiven solo take thirty times. And because they kept telling him that it wasn't good enough, it wasn't good enough, it wasn't good enough, until the point where he finally got so pissed off, he's like, fine. And that was the solo that they put on the record. That's Was awesome. the pissed off Kirk Hammett solo. And you can tell. Yeah. It's like phenomenal. And it's like, oh, so Kirk can solo with a la wah pedal. Yeah. And uh, also, I would say that <laughs> in, terms of, in terms of writing, though, as much as like I'd say Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets are a little bit more literary in terms of kind of their overall themes and whatnot, sure. with Black Album, there's an interesting turn where it's not like a full turn on uh, in terms of like away from that, but there is a little bit more personal. Not like to the confessional degree that St. Anger is, but you can start to see on like Nothing Else Matters. Oh, yeah. Like that... I feel like that was an artistic risk they wanted to take after the success of that. Is a legitimate power ballad song. Well, it's, legitimate. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a love song. Yeah. yeah, and that's the first time they had done that, and I think that's part of why it it stands today as one of their biggest hits because yeah. absolutely it was accessible lyrics in a way that they had not done mm-hmm. before. Sure. And yeah. I think that it, that happens a couple times on this record where. Literary is the perfect way to describe their lyrics up to that point. There's a lot of references to books and and mythology. And on Black Album, it feels mostly like confessional James talking about his life. And obviously there's some of that earlier, but this is really straight, like... It it's more talking about his experiences, and yeah. that's more people can connect with that mm-hmm. easier. Talk, hearing someone talk about what they've actually gone through. Right. And again, the God that failed—that's like so blatant. Ugh. Like my parents believed that God would save them, and they and he didn't. It's like wow, that's like it doesn't yeah. get any more blatant than that. Well, and the other thing too is that even artistically though, aside from the much tighter song structures, it's also the fact that it's a, such a simple thing because Injustice for All infamously doesn't have a great bass mix on there, which they didn't fix with the remaster very intentionally since they knew that's what people's experience with the record was and they weren't necessarily going to change that. Sure. But the thing, it is nice on a black album there, even though they have Jason Newstead on here who some argue is their best backing vocalist, DVD. Uh, but like, The God That Failed and especially My Friend Misery, those two songs back to back like, by the way, the bass is here now. The bass is here, well, and it's going to rock it. Also, Sorry. backing vocals. Yeah. Yeah. The backing vocals and harmony vocals, and in a way that they had not really done before at yeah. all. They'd had Kirk screaming sometimes. <laughs> Master! Yeah. But that's not the same yeah. as having an actual, like, they're singing the third on the chorus, 
Like, mm-hmm. I, I love My Friend of Misery. I I know it's not like a huge no, it's fan great. favorite. It's really great. But it's it, one of Jason Newstead's only um, songwriting credits. Oh. Because of, because he that's wrote that because of the that, bass, that the bass like at the beginning up at the front yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, wherever I may roam is another one of like you know the Metallica Road Dogs kind of thing they actually titled the the tour wherever we may roam mm-hmm. this is the longest tour they did in fact they did it in two legs to where the final leg was called Nowhere Else to Roam because it's they literally played like every country in the world. Well, that's it was game changing. I was yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, there in one of the movies we watched. Their manager was talking about how like uh, the band was like, "Wait, we're going back there? We already played there." And he was like, "Yeah, but since the last time we played there, you sold another two and a half million albums in that market. So even if no one from the first show comes to see us at all." There's still a demand, and so that's mm-hmm. part of why the the tour was so long is because they were playing cities yeah. two three times, and it was a breakthrough. Yeah. It was a complete breakthrough for them as well, as well as artistically, commercially, and pretty much every other realm you can. Some do of their there. longest shows too, like two yeah. and a half hour, three hour shows. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got your money's worth for sure. Exactly, um, but I- yeah. I would, but and here's the thing. Of course, then controversially, I did say I want to put this here at number three. And you got to keep in mind when we're talking about Ride the Lightning, Master Puppets, Metallica. We're at this point. I love all of these albums. I love them yeah. for different reasons. I like their aims. I like their goals. And I like that even though even with Ride the Lightning and Master Puppets, there's a delineation between them where I feel like they are still different records and I think they accomplish different things. Even though there's clearly a lot of similarities structurally between sure, them. Sure. For me, at the end of the day. I just, I think, on a song-for-song basis, like the other two more. And I think that's really what it comes down to. I think that there's something to be said about Concise Metallica on here. I would say that, personally, this is one of the things where songs like Don't Tread on Me don't have the same... Don't Tread on Me! Right! It doesn't have the same impact as some (laughs) other things on here. I know some people love A Golden Man... I'm don't I'm not one of those people. I there's and honestly even the struggle within doesn't really strike me in the same way that honestly nothing else matters does. This is a great album. There's no denying it. There are so many iconic tracks on here. Absolutely, I just personally feel like in terms of what the other albums give me, maybe it is their literary nature. Maybe it is because they're a little bit more high concept. But I get more out of the epicness of those two records than I do out of Metallica, even though it is still very enjoyable and very streamlined in a sense. That's why I would personally nominate it on number three. Right. Yeah. Y'all can tell me how I'm wrong, or you can toss at your own nomination well, for number three. My, no- my nomination for number three was actually Ride the Lightning. But, um, and, which, and, uh, and as I said before, it's my overall favorite. But when I look at Master of Puppets, which we haven't talked about yet, yes. but, uh, and Metallica, the Black Album, I, I have to... Let's talk about Ride the Lightning a little bit. Oh, oh, Ride the Lightning a little bit? Oh my yeah, god, yeah. let's do it. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Fight Fire with Fire is fantastic. Um, it's it's probably my favorite of the like faster mm-hmm. songs mm-hmm. that they have. Um, it's I mean it's so intense that like it literally ends with the sound of a nuclear bomb going off, right. like and a dive bomb into an explosion. Mm-hmm. They, it's funny because they actually lost fans already on this record because they look at it and they're like Fade the Black. Well, that has acoustic guitar. Oh, that sucks. Monsters. Yeah. Seek and destroy, brother. You yeah. know, like and like. So, but what's uh, what I find hilarious because it's like they have trapped under ice. They have creeping death and fight fire with fire, which are all insane. Yeah. 
But one thing that's interesting is that um, it actually has Hetfield's least favorite Metallica song, which is Escape, because oh. he thought that it was too poppy because of the chorus. Which, which, if you want to compare it to the, if you just take these two, these eighteen songs, it's definitely the poppiest of those eighteen, like of the first two. Oh, records. Okay, okay, sort I, of. Yeah, I mean, Escape is is a song that like I could have heard Van Halen doing. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know, so I I get where they're coming from that on that. I love this album so much. I think For Whom the Bell Tolls is probably one of the best songs ever. Yeah. I it's it was one of those it was one of those songs where it was like every time I listened to it, I doubled how much I liked it. Yeah. Yes. Just, just getting to know all of the eccentricities of it and the different sections and there's this there, tension and release to it, which is just incredible. Because yeah. the bass line is this descending thing, and then when all of these crunchy guitars come in that actually are going up, dun, 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 dun. like it's just kind of like this kind of scrunchy thing that's happening in terms of what they're doing structurally. It's just great. It is impactful. It is what it's a, one of the songs I knew going into this record, and it's still one of my favorite takeaways from this entire it's, experience. It's, and, it it's, is, and it's another one of those Metallica staple songs for sure. Oh, absolutely, um, for it, re- good reason. It's a uh, and it's like a minute and 20 intro before they even start singing. <laughs> yeah. But it's still so awesome. Yeah, yeah. I I, I, agree. I hear you on that, Taryn. I think it's it's fantastic. It's it's such a good song. And it's funny because it actually is, I think it's the only song in the record that doesn't have a guitar solo in it. Is that true? I don't think I don't there's think an actual Yeah. Solo. I never. Yeah. I they, because it's only five minutes. Yeah. They play. And they, they do only. a whole pop song. <laughs> oh, well, for, that's short for Metallica. Yeah. Right. That's they, what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. It's they, only five minutes. They play, uh, I mean, they play some co-lead stuff too, where they do that descending, those descending lines, and yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty fantastic. Uh, I'm interested to hear what you guys think about um, Call of Cthulhu. I like it. <laughs> Actually, uh, I should revise. Uh, this is the only other song of from Metallica that I was intimately familiar with besides Ender Sandman. Really? Because, Odd. because Sam, my brother, went through a Cthulhu phase. <laughs> he had a whole like, couple do. of years where he was <laughs> he was all about the Lovecraftian Sam's horrors. Always <laughs> he was all about the Lovecraftian horrors, so he discovered this song, this this awesome instrumental from Metallica, which was a band that we were not familiar with, but it was about Cthulhu. So it like went on to our like, you know, we're gaming, throw on some music playlist. Or, sure. Or like I, I know I, I would hear it sometimes like while I was like painting miniatures while I still yeah. did that. So I yeah. It totally random, but I because of that have some like nostalgia for Call of Cthulhu and very much enjoy Originally it. called Hell Freezes Over, which is why they have the weird like winter wind sound at the beginning. Okay. Mm-hmm. Better than, better than Cthulhu. Uh, also, fun fact we found out today, uh, the original album, the original title that they were re- re- semi-jokingly, oh but keeping out there for Metallica's self-titled Black Album. Uh, you familiar with this? I don't know. Go Apparently, on. because three of the four of them were going through divorces at the time, too, but they were still showing up to the studio and working on this album. Uh-huh. So they lightly and were jokingly referring to it as Married to Metal. 
And uh, are you serious? Can you imagine you if they had called the album "Married to Metal"? It would have. It would have. It would have. It would have. That sounds like a Van Halen album. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, well, and I made the joke. I was like, is that a Megadeth album? Because no. <laughs> Megadeth's album titles are often a little jokey. Yeah. Um, Indeed, they are. Um, but but uh, yeah, I think I I think it would have completely changed the arc of their career oh, if God. they had called it Married to Metal. Oh, God, it's it such have. a small thing, yeah. but... No, and yeah, and another interesting thing about that, too, um, is the original lead single wasn't going to be Interesting, and it was going to be Holier Than Thou, oh, which is so interesting. I know. Everybody was... Uh, they, uh, they were all about it, and then Lars was like, absolutely not. It's Enter Sandman, we're putting it out, that's that. Okay. Uh, oh, Lars. Yeah. That was the right choice. I mean, would have, again, changed the entire trajectory. As much as a low-key dictator as he is of that band, you can't fault him uh, for some. And we'll talk about He's his role. He's responsible for a lot of their success. And we'll so. talk about his role in a lot of the stuff in the uh, Happy Hour mini Alcoholic after, after this. Exactly. So, but that leads to a question then. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I, I just... I know we, we talked about it briefly, but I did just also want to mention because i was i have i had of course heard of the song fade to black but did not know it very well um that was another one this week that i mean for obvious reasons just totally blew me away the that outro is i i mean iconic for a reason it's just on a completely different level to what I think anyone else was doing at the time. Yeah. It, yeah. You mean a thrash band talking about mental health issues and suicide? Well, that's in, what I mean. In the 80s? That's I mean, what I yeah. mean. It's like, yeah. you yeah. know, people, people, you know, the the conservatives were like, oh, they're Satan. trying to get their fans to kill themselves. And it's like, no, we're they're trying to help prevent that, to, like, send a message that other people go through this, and this is not like a... Yeah, Tipper Gore, I know you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> the Ghost of Tipple, Tipper Gore was actually the original album name for Reload, and they changed it. The Ghost uh, of Tipper Gore. <laughs> kind of very, again, Lars Cumberland. That actually would have made it better, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, but, I mean, honestly, getting back to Brass Tracks, why would you put this here at number three? Why would you nominate it so? I think the other two are more iconic when you think about Metallica lo- slightly more. Um, I mean, I can't decide of which I would put at one or two between Metallica Black Album and Master of Puppets, but I just know that those are, for me, they're just in that position. Before anything else, let's talk about Master of Puppets. Yes, let's please. Just, let's just do it. And oh let me just gosh, tell you, I wasn't sure how, I, again, it's one of those things where with the chartographers, y'all know this, Taryn and I, we do the fucking research on it. And as such, there's to a degree, I know there's whole YouTube channels dedicated to people listening to this song or listening to this album for the first time. And so for me, digging into Master of Puppets, that little acoustic guitar that opens on battery, I never heard that before, not once in my life. And that has quickly turned into maybe one of my favorite songs, Battery. Just the pure assault of it, the pure everything of it, and the fact that they knew what the fuck they were doing when you do a little light acoustic into Hard Rock Interlude. The effect every single time is fantastic, but no more so than on Battery. It is an assault. It is full on. And it's one of those things where... Really, it's one of the when you come down to it, it is so fucking hard to find something I don't like about this record. All yeah. the way straight through, it is it is one of those things where I'm not necessarily gonna say it's 
better than Ride the Lightning on every conceivable level. I'm not saying that, but I will say that I think it very wisely takes the lessons learned from it and just tweaks them in this very beautiful, I would agree with that. powerful way, too. I would agree Welcome with that. home, Sanitarium. Incredible. You are locked into this beautiful ballad of a place that's still dark and scary and threatening, but I'm just lost in this grooviness of it. The textures and tones that they're achieving on here is unlike anything else they've done before. Leper Messiah, I think, is one of the most impactful songs they've ever done because I like it when James gets a little bit more blatant in his lyrics about what he's talking about. Uh -huh. like instead of hiding behind metaphor he's just kind of like saying it as it is make a contribution and you'll get a better seat exactly oh, and, and such then, a good lyric and honestly i don't know how many other djs have sampled the opening to orion but i've definitely heard that kind of like that whirring sound that starts at open yeah. before they go into it and then when the guitars come in that is i would say probably my favorite metallic instrumental just straight straight up all the way oh through. and especially halfway through it suddenly becomes a blues thing yeah like the oh, thing is it's kind, of, it's, kind of, it's kind of a space rock to a thing to a degree but it yeah. fits in the context of this album perfectly it is yeah. just a straight up i wasn't i know i heard a lot of hype about master of puppets and then when i first heard it i was like and because you're going straight through it's like okay I, I can see why this is good and it just kept getting me back every single time. Well, this is much like For Whom the Bell Tolls for me, but honestly, this whole album was, every time I listened to it, uh, it, it like clicked into place that much more. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that is because it still has its, its roots in thrash, but also because you had Cliff and you had Kirk, you had like these crazy crazily skilled technical musicians mm -hmm. so they play with tempo and with time signature sure. and with i mean even more than just obviously their uh song structures are crazy but but within that there's all these these jumps and starts mm -hmm. uh like specifically i'm thinking of in the verses of master of puppets but it's all over the place and that every time you listen to it you get that much more used to those little hairpin those turns. little time blips and yeah. those hairpin turns mm -hmm. and they become that much more satisfying mm -hmm. because you know that it's not in the 4/4 and that feels even better than if right. it was yeah. you know um, and yeah, so this this album I I truly think is is sort of like a marvel in rock, just with yes. what they're able to accomplish at, within an hour. Yeah, because it it really goes all over the place. Yeah. And what's hilarious about it is again going back to that S and M record, which for again for those who don't know, that's they did a live record with the San Francisco Symphony backing them, and so when the conductor met with them to kind of chart out the songs for the the orchestral people. They're, he's talking like, so, you know, that part that goes from 2-4 to 4-4 to back to that, and then you did it, and they're all like, uh, sure. Like, Hatfield's like, I don't know how to read music. Right. Like, like I just right. wrote it. Like, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what the, and they're like, they, 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 they said, wow, I guess our stuff is actually pretty complicated. Like, yeah. it, we didn't know that. Right. Like, Well, that was another thing that I was noticing is because I, not being familiar with the scene as a whole, I did a little bit of research into like Slayer and Megadeth and listened to a bit of that too. And I was really surprised to see how many of the musicians had formerly played in jazz oh, ensembles. Yeah, sure. And, and I was like, it, at first I was like, that's so weird. And then I was like, of course that makes sense. This music is all so technically complicated and fast mm -hmm. that like you have to be really skilled. You, either you're self-taught and you sat in your room and you're just like a rare find or you went to school for this for a decade and studied musical theory and that's how you can get to this point. 
Like, mm-hmm. I, it was just very fascinating to see those two sides. Like, like you said, James coming like, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't know what chord I'm playing. I just figured it out. And then in comparison to these, like, the same people approaching the music going, this is insane. Right. Why would you do this to right. yourself? Right. Well, and, and, um... The record as a whole, too, is, uh, you know, has um, a certain subject to it. You know what I'm saying? Like when they... Like a thematic overlap? Concept album. Yeah. Concept of of control. Yeah. Battery and Damage Incorporated are about controlling people through violence. Mm -hmm. Master of Puppets is drug addiction. The thing that should not be is like some... Is another Cthulhu kind of thing. Yeah. Sanitarium is about how insane asylums control people. Disposable Heroes is how the army controls soldiers. Left from his size, religion, and Orion's just awesome. But, um. <laughs> it's not how awesome this control yeah, It's about how awesome it is. Drunk so it's just like, I would say the more I, the more I talk about it, I would, I would, this is my proposal just for the ranking. Okay. We can continue to talk about it more. But my proposal would be Master of Puppets at number one, Metallica at number two, and Ride the Lightning at number three. We can continue to talk about it and debate it, but that's my, that's my proposal. I think Master of Puppets, the song, First off, is again that's in the top three signature Metallica songs for sure. Yeah, um, absolutely. I want to shout out James Hetfield a little bit. Shout think, out because I think the dude is the, in my opinion, he's the best metal rhythm guitarist there is. The well, fact that he's downpicking the entirety of Master of Puppets and singing and the time. Like the the tempo is like in the two hundreds. Yeah, is insane to me. Rhythm guitar is such a. I understand why you're saying it. It still feels like such a dismissive term for what he's doing because I, I understand know. what he's doing. But like when you see them live, when you see them even in studio, the fury, <laughs> the energy. Yeah, I was watching one of the hardwired like making of videos on YouTube because um, they have a, a making of documentary like little sh- snippet for each of the songs on the album uh-huh. and. One of the songs they were doing, he he like paused and had to shake out his pick hand because he was like so much gu gu gu. I mean, yeah. like I mean, don't get me wrong, I love the gu 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 gu, but I have to get back into gu 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 shape. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like yeah, I can imagine even after having done it for decades, if you take a year off to be with your family and you haven't been touring and you, you know, sure. I'm sure you're still playing, but not as often. Like you, you literally much probably it, like, I think Kirk and uh, James, they're not working quite as hard as Lars as far as just like physicality, making it happen. But sure. like what they are doing is not easy on the body. Not at all, especially on the wrist. One thing that's interesting is that this is going to totally get geeky for a minute, but do it. I, but James Hetfield actually holds his pick with three fingers instead of two. Yeah, which I don't know if that adds anything Any, to being able yeah, to rigidity play or, or like. But it's an interesting thought. Um, I bet Kirk and James are really good at giving hand jobs, just like quick, furious. Again, <laughs> uh, I do want my mom to listen to the episodes, but. Um, <laughs> And James Hetfield would not like you saying that, but I think we can talk about he that later. He sang the song about sucking an old man's cock. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, he didn't write that one, but yeah, uh, but but uh, he, he sang it, and then it became the name of the like unofficial fan zine. Yeah, zine, so what? Which, yeah, which they, Wait, really? Which I didn't know this. Oh yeah, so what? Yeah, magazine, so what? Yeah. Right, so, so this, so so what is actually like a very important song in the fandom. Sure, but like. 
I, I just, I, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I, I mean, we can save this mostly for the, the happy hour, but I do think it's really hilarious that this band that has a reputation, or even more so their fans have a reputation of being, like, misogynist and conservative, and then they put this song out about, like, fucking a sheep. <laughs> And like fucking the queen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I just, it's just, it was very surprising to say the least the first time I got to that one. Disposable Heroes. Disposable Heroes. is one of my, <laughs> also one of my favorite yeah. songs. Um, it's another one of those examples of, it's eight over eight minutes long, but it doesn't feel that way. At all. Um, because once it kicks off, it doesn't let up the mm-hmm. entire time. Mm-hmm. And just when you think the song is over, they do another... Like, it's insane. I got I got the pleasure of seeing them play it live. It's it's absolutely crazy. Um, so, you know, it's funny. I, earlier I said Ride the Lightning's my favorite album. And then as I'm talking about it, I'm like, yeah, Master of Puppets might be my favorite album. Um, like, and that's the thing. Like, once you start having to defend your positions a little bit, you kind of realize, like... And that's part of the reason why, like, I put Metallica at number three because, like... Listen, at the end of the day, like, it's, I mean, it's such a small line dividing them all together, but yeah. these are all great records. And I think yeah. that as there are truly, you know, on a per diem basis, almost more, like, maybe more iconic songs on Metallica, but there's also just a couple other ones that I don't have the same connection with that I do with, say, Master of Puppets. I would know? argue that once you get into Metallica, once you get past Sandman, uh, songs like Master of Puppets, Creeping Death, For, For Whom the Beltos, aren't far behind. Right. So it's like mm-hmm. they're just as iconic in, in that yeah. sense. Yeah. And that's, I, going into this episode, I was pretty confident Black Album would be my number one just based on batting average. But talking about it, Emotionally, I think I'm going to throw my weight behind Phil's ranking and put Ride the Lightning at three, Black Album at two, and Master of Puppets at number one. You know what? I think we might have ourselves a fucking ranking. And that's right. We are going to go right into our ranking segment brought to you by Death Clock. Uh, and that means that at number five, we have Kill Em All. At number four, we have And Justice For All. At number three, we have Ride the Lightning. At number two, we have the self-titled album by Metallica. And at number one, we have Symphony of Metallica 2, the best fucking album you've ever heard in your entire life. I thought you were going to say Lords of Summer, the uh, one, the single they released during their 2014 uh, tour. Their number one is number actually... One, no Leaf Clover. Their number one yeah. is I Disappear from the Mission Impossible yeah, 2. You. That's <laughs> it. That's it. Good night, everybody. It thank is Master so Puppets. And y'all, that is uh, a motherfucking ranking. Library of Congress, of Congress inductee Master of Puppets. puppets. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and, and rightfully uh, deserved. I didn't, uh, the thing I didn't realize is this was a concept album about Jim Henson. Uh, just incredible. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> I will say, <laughs> I will say uh, though, more than anything, we have a fucking lot to talk about in the Happy Hour Minisode, and I'm really excited to dig into everything, including uh, Terrence's newfound crush on Robert Trujillo. Uh, we need to dive into all the details here, but most importantly, Phil, thank you so much for coming in and ranking the albums of Metallica with us. I have looked forward to it for a very long time, and I am so happy with the ranking. I think I was pushed on a couple things i i it didn't line up with my initial thoughts but i think we ended on a good thing um yeah it got your and it, and it re, this reinvigorated my love for them um just as the led zeppelin episode did i i haven't listened to metallica a lot recently and um 
because I found out about a band called Green Day. And I'm um, just kidding. Um, but not really. Um, <laughs> They're basically so, the Metallica pop punk. Yeah, basically. And, I mean, yeah. But, uh, and so... Uh, my Give point us a one-star being, review after that comment. My point, my, point <laughs> being, my point being, I appreciate finding my love for this band again. And, um, yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, it blast. Thank you for going on this journey. It's yeah. been fun. And also, thank you, everyone, for listening. Again, please, if you have any comments, find us on our Facebook page. Find us on our Twitter at The Chartographers in both places. Send us an email to thechartographers at gmail.com. Or, of course, leave us a review. That's the best way to obviously get a hold of us because we love those things. We love reading them because they might come funny, snarky comments for me later as the commentator. But most importantly, thank you all so much for listening. And I hope you keep listening because you know that we'll be. Have a good one, everybody. Hello, this is David from the new movies podcast, Catching Up David. I thought I'd tell you a little bit about one of the movies we watched recently that I liked the most, and that was Lilo and Stitch. I especially like the aliens in Lilo and Stitch, which I didn't realize was a thing. He didn't realize that was a thing because David doesn't know anything about modern pop culture. He somehow missed all of the 2000s. So Kristen and I, we made a list of the pop culture canon movies that we feel were influential and have really solidified their place in today's pop culture. And we make David watch them. So if you want to experience someone experiencing pop culture for the first time having lived in a bubble, we can be found at Catching Up David on Twitter. Or you can find us any place you listen to podcasts. Or at catchingupdavid.podbean.com.